0: Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. On this Wednesday, June 3rd, Frank Stanfield alongside Chris Towers and Scott White. As you may know by now, we did not have a podcast yesterday on Tuesday. Uh, frankly, as much as we love baseball, talking fantasy baseball and helping you guys out, it's just not nearly as important as what's taking place in our country right now. Uh, honestly, I try and keep politics and any type of controversial topics away from fantasy baseball content. But I will just offer this. Please use this time for self-reflection and to practice empathy for those who are suffering. And with that, I welcome in my colleague, Scott White. How are you doing, buddy? How's everything?
0: I'm doing good, Frank. Doing good.
2: Good to hear. Chris, how's it going?
1: I'm a little, it's a little hot in the room that I'm recording in. I think I'm going to have to turn the AC on at some point. Can't leave the windows open when I'm recording, but otherwise, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty good. I, I do want to echo uh, what you said. Um, I totally agree with that. We could use more empathy in the world.
2: Fair enough. Uh, speaking of open opening your windows, watch out, Chris, because uh, I live in NYC, and I think we're about to get a downpour, so watch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today on the show... What is this talk of a 50-game season? We won't spend too much time because I don't think that this is a realistic proposal or anything, but we kind of get duped a little bit by uh, Jeff Passon the other day, so I'll just mention that quickly. Uh, Obviously, have to talk about the news from earlier, Chris Archer. Uh, Which players are we most likely to draft from the AL and NL West teams? Today, we're going West Coast for the next couple of days, we'll do Central, we'll do East, um, and today we'll do the AL and NOS teams. Please continue to send in your fantasy baseball questions as well. Email us, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Let's start right there with uh, Chris Archer. Pretty unfortunate news, obviously, will not pitch in 2020 if there is a season due to thoracic outlet surgery. And honestly, this might kind of explain... Where Chris Archer has been the past couple of seasons, of course. I mean, he had a 5.19 ERA last year, a 1.41 WHIP. Um, and look, thoracic outlet is you know a well-defined entity where the connection between the neck and the arm, uh, with the nerves, arteries, and veins, get compressed. So obviously, this is a surgery to uh, decompress those things. And we've heard about the surgery before. Doesn't really have a great track record for players returning and being very useful. Uh, Matt Harvey and and Tyson Ross are the most recent examples that I could think of. Um, According to Roster Resource, Derek Holland should jump into the rotation for the Pirates. Uh, He had a surprising 2018, but ultimately, I don't think that this really matters for fantasy all that much. Chris, it is unfortunate because I know that you are an Archer fan coming into this season.
1: Yeah, it's definitely disappointing. Uh, Turns out the haters are right. He will not be a good draft value in 2020.
2: They're doing their victory uh, laps already, Chris.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. Wait, you you, you nailed it. Uh, no, it's it's disappointing. I really wanted to see what Chris Archer could look like uh, with a better approach and a you know a uh, a pitching coach who was more in tune with what we understand will lead to pitching success. Um, so that's definitely disappointing. Um, you know, there there was a moment where Derek Holland looked pretty interesting, and it wasn't just because of uh Oracle Park, you know, he actually did have pretty good peripherals in 2018 to go along with a 3.57 ERA. Uh I don't personally see much reason to believe that he will be useful this season, although I guess it is worth noting uh for whatever it might be worth that he did have a velocity jump last season. So wait, there. Why
0: do we wait, why did we get into Derek Collins because he had this... He's like
1: no, he's likely to be the replacement. Oh, the, the replacement. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did a lot of research on thoracic outlet syndrome 3 years ago because that's when Matt Harvey Matt Harvey was coming back from it and he's he's kind of I feel like he's kind of the face of this procedure now because it got the most attention with him. And I was I was actually encouraged by what I found. It seemed like I was, you know, apart from the consensus on that and obviously Matt Harvey hasn't been the same since he had it, so that doesn't that uh, doesn't make it look any better. But it's it's pretty body still. I feel like like for instance, Mike Fultonevich had it, and he had it two years before his big breakout season. And like I didn't at the time I was researching it, I didn't even realize he had it when he had it. It was just so under the radar. Uh, Josh Beckett had it before the a pretty good bounce back season. It's. It doesn't seem like, you know. It doesn't seem like a death sentence for a pitcher. I. I don't, you know. Somebody Javi, who, um, obviously who understands the 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 uh, science behind it better could probably explain what's going on there, but. I don't think it's necessarily going to mean we never hear from Archer. He's never a relevant fantasy pitcher again. We had reasons to be concerned he never would be already. And so, you know, this doesn't help with that. But, you know, let's not write him off forever necessarily.
2: Yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, Just because a few other people have not returned to their form um, after it doesn't mean that that is, you know, the rule. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see what happens here with Chris Archer. But again, just some uh, unfortunate news. If anyone was thinking Jamison Tyone too, because that's where kind of my mind went, he had his second Tommy John surgery of mm-hmm. his career last year in August. So I still, even if there's a season, I can't imagine Jamison Tyone really contrib- contributing much. Maybe, maybe if they go through August, we see him for a month or something. But outside After of that, what's up? If, if, they October, you yeah, yeah. if they go through October? Yeah, yeah. If they go through October, then... Maybe yeah, like we, see we could see him through.
1: in relief. Yeah. Know, like we did with uh, AJ Puck last year. Although, you know, even in that case, I'm pretty sure AJ Puck was coming off spring training the previous season. So it would require a very quick turnaround. You know, I, I'm remembering back to Jose Fernandez who had it mid-season uh, right around this time um, of the year. And I think he came back like, 13 or 14 months later. So it's really hard to come back from Tommy John any quicker than that.
2: Especially a second Tommy John too, while we're at it for uh, Jameson Jamison Tyone. So there you go. That's what we have uh, regarding Chris Archer. This, you know, it's not a proposal, but this report of a 50 game season, according to ESPN's Jeff Passan, Major League Baseball views a season of around 50 games as a quote, last resort option. Should there be no agreement with the MLB Players Association? I mentioned Passon kind of duped us the other day because he had this tweet like, tune into SportsCenter, I've got big news. And then he kind of talked about this, but it's not a real report. Uh, And what I saw, it's not a real proposal, Proposal. Uh, but it is a real report. Um, And I saw just before we started that the MLB has officially uh, declined the offer from the Players Association for a 114 game season. So... These are the negotiations that we're talking about going back and forth. Uh, I will yeah. quickly the, the mention. The interesting
0: thing about this 50 game yep. issue that came up is that, a, at least the way the owners understand the agreement that came in March, and we've already seen the two sides disagreeing about what they actually agreed to in March. So, you know, who even knows what that's worth? But they are of the understanding that they can set a length for the season and the pay players would be compelled to, to participate in it. Like it's, it's not even so much a negotiation. It's, this is what we want to do. So get back to work kind of thing. Um, so I don't know that it's, there's 0% chance of it happening. Now the players, aren't going to be excited with a prorated amount if it's only for 50 games, obviously. So I don't think they're going to be eager to do this. But I don't know... I don't know that it won't be what happens in the end. I think it's unlikely. I think more likely just for, you know, good faith... Uh, they're going to find some middle ground. and It'll be something closer to 80 games. But it, it sounds like it's it's less, it, the reason it's not a proposal is because it doesn't have to be a proposal, at least as far as the owners understand what was agreed to in March.
2: And I hope you're right, Scott. I hope if something does happen, we don't dip below 80 games because anything below 80, just in my opinion, it, it feels like it would be really, really hard to take that fantasy yeah. season seriously. A 50-game season... You're looking at and a head-to-head league is non-existent at that point because you're talking about eight or nine weeks. So, yeah. you know, uh, playoffs alone take two to three weeks and even a roto league for a 50-game season, it's just, it's hard to take seriously. I, I looked this up on May 31st last season, which is around the 50-game mark. Cody Bellinger was hitting three seventy nine with a 12-13 OPS. His numbers would go on to dip much further than that. Uh, and Garrett Cole had a 4.02 ERA. The Nationals, I think, were 19
0: and. 31?
2: Yeah, I saw you tweet that out. Yep, The eventual
0: World Series champion Nationals had a terrible record uh, 50 games in. And like, Rota Leagues, you'd play them out the same way. But a head-to-head league, you'd seriously have to alter the way your season works. And I think it probably, like, probably just like a tournament makes sense. Uh, I don't yeah. Know, every, or, every scoring uh, period, two weeks, and just elimination tournament.
1: Yeah, or you double up on like maybe you triple up on matchups uh, yeah. or yeah, it, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. There are, there are things you can do. You can get creative, uh, host two different drafts, play both out and then do combined records. I think that could be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, a 50 game season. I mean, first of all, would they start in like August if they played a 50 game so- season?
0: I, I, I think the starting date would be the same. It, it sounds like the owners are um, more more concerned about letting things go deeper into the fall because if there's a second wave that shuts things down and they don't get the playoff earnings, that's yeah. that's a problem for them. So it sounds like they're more interested in ending things sooner than beginning things later.
1: I mean, this is an extraordinary cynical move by the owners, basically. They're basically they've said they're not going to make a counter offer and they're just, it sounds like going to impose a 50 game or 60 game schedule and just say, well, it's up to you now, which is like, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not your average everyday sports fan in a lot of ways. I can't predict how they're going to react, but man, this This seems feels like it should be a bad look, right? Oh, for sure. This is is like a this feels like a dirty trick. This is like the agreement says. There's a quote, like a quote that keeps getting put around about good faith negotiations about whether they can play games with fans in the stands. There is nothing good faith about the about these reports. Now, it it was reported as that's. They're
0: considering that the last resort. So, like I said, I I think they'll still find some middle ground. But, but yeah, I I do think it's possible this ends up happening.
2: We shall see. The NBA kind of figured it out earlier today. It sounds like the NBA is expected to return around July 31st. So, hopefully, 22
1: teams though. Only, yeah. Very funny. Yeah. They're just, the rest of you don't matter. Don't bother showing up. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like when you're in like a college class and, this probably didn't happen to you guys because you were probably good students, but uh, you know, you, you reach a point in the semester where the where the professor's like, "Well, there's not really anything you could do at this point. You might as well stop showing up."
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I, I've never had know. that happen, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> you know, I've never like, heard of that happening.
1: <laughs> uh, well, sh- you know, I'm sure someone listening can relate. <laughs>
2: Shout out to my Knicks; they are uh, not one of those twenty-two teams. Let's move on to our uh, favorite players to draft for each team in baseball. Today, we're going to focus on the West. That'll be the AL West and the NL West. So, mind you, these are th- 10 different teams that we're going to get to. Each of us have a player to talk about. Maybe sometimes we have the same player to talk about, but honestly, about 30 different players. So, again, like I did last week for the leftovers, I've got to time you guys because that's the only way that we're going to get through this. So, let's focus on about three minutes per team, which gives us about one minute per player. Uh, I'll save myself last for each team because if you guys want to go on a little bit longer, nobody needs to hear my thoughts. They need to hear your thoughts. Let's start off with the Houston Astros. A ton of players to choose from. I mean, this was probably one of the hardest teams and is going to be one of the harder teams to figure out. But, Scott, I mean, me personally, I'm not going to use first-round players. I mean, you can if you want. Um, And it could be anything. It could be, for the sake of this exercise... Whoever you consider the best value, whatever you consider the best skill set for fantasy, whoever you just find yourself drafting the most from that team. Scott, for you, the Houston Astros, you have? Yeah,
0: I'm gonna go with Josh James here. I feel like any draft where I don't get Josh James that means I, I have failed in some way because it's you know, you don't have to try that hard to get him. His ADP is uh two thirty-one across all sites, and uh just incredible strikeout potential that was visible in the minors. It was visible in relief last year. He had some walk issues last year, his first full season in the majors that weren't so consistent in the minors. And also he's made some adjustments to his delivery to combat that. When things shut down, he had the leg up for the fifth spot in the rotation. And I think the upside is there, particularly in a shortened season, if there isn't any concerns for him to perform like a high end pitcher.
2: Chris, I know that you're a big fan of uh, Josh James as well from the Houston Astros. Is that the player you find yourself drafting most from this team or no. a different
1: player? No, for me, it's definitely Kyle Tucker. Um, I just, there aren't a lot of guys with the potential that he has. Uh, his 150 game pace at AAA is like 34 homers, 36 steals. Um, I think he has every bit as much potential as Luis Robert. And he's going 60, 70 picks later. And he has been pretty much all year. I think Kyle Tucker's ADP has kind of crept up as we've gone on. I don't know where it is exactly right now. 166.6. No, no, it's still uh, right in that same spot. And, you know, we don't know how much he's going to play is the biggest question. But when you talk about upside for fantasy, you talk about, you know, potential league winners. Um, I think Kyle Tucker can absolutely be one of those.
2: And playing time is the reason why you get him where he's going. If we knew for sure he was going to be the everyday right fielder, he might be a fourth I mean, or fifth round pick like Luis Robert, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's easily a top 75 pick in that instance. But, you know, once you're discounting 90 picks, uh, I, I think you're looking at a pretty solid discount.
2: I'll quickly just add uh, Michael Brantley is the Astro I find myself drafting a lot, and just in general, I found myself putting a lot of old players on this list, so that might just be something I have to reflect on myself, but uh, a 121.4 ADP, get him in like the 10th or 11th round. Uh, He's a little bit older, but has managed to stay relatively healthy the past two seasons, Um, at least a 309 batting average in each of those, and he can offer production regardless of format. 3.4 fantasy points per game last season. That was tied with Chris Bryant and Jorge Soler. And even in Roto, he's a plus batting average, which is harder to find at that ADP. And in Roto, you need five outfielders. That's exactly where Michael Brantley plays. I find myself draft- drafting a decent amount of Michael Brantley. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Angels. Chris, you can get us started this time. I'm Another team that has a decent amount of intriguing pitchers, some, uh, some bats there in the middle of that lineup. Where do you find yourself going with the Los Angeles Angels?
1: Uh, player I'm most likely to draft. I think the player from the Angels who I have the most shares of is probably Andrew Heaney. who um, He's a really weird pitcher. He's, he's a really interesting pitcher. He's one of the rare pitchers who throws a sinker exclusively, but throws it almost exclusively up in the zone which is not what you normally see. It's really so strange. weird. So weird. Um, and so, you know, because usually you want to throw up in the zone. If you're throwing that forcing fastball with the backspin, that'll create uh, the appearance of, of rise. He has, you know, a lot of side to side movement on that pitch that he's throwing up in the zone. And it's led to mixed results. I think we can say, I think they're. Part of the reason why he gets so many strikeouts is because hitters just don't see a lot of pitchers who throw like him. Part of the reason he gives up so many home runs is probably that he's throwing a sinker up in the fast in the in the strike zone. Um, but I think he's better than his peripherals last year. Certainly, were he's got, I think, good control, good strikeout potential. He needs a little better luck on home runs, and he needs to figure out a way to reduce his home run rate. In addition to that, but if he can do that, uh, I think there's a lot to like about Andrew Heaney.
2: Scott, where are you going when it comes to the Angels? Who do you find yourself drafting a lot from this team? Two pitchers I find
0: myself comparing pretty often are Andrew Heaney and Dylan Bundy because I feel like they both have a lot of swing and miss potential. They've both been very vulnerable to home runs. Dylan Bundy has the change of scenery. Case going for him. And when it's a pitcher leaving Baltimore, uh, hitter friendly venue, hitter friendly division, and just a, a, a team with a dreadful track record when it comes to developing pitchers. You know, you always think of how what happened to Jake Arietta when he left Baltimore for the Cubs. Uh, I, I think Bundy sh- still shows plenty of upside with the swing and miss on that split change and uh, going to a bigger park, a, a, a division with a lot of pitchers' parks. I think it could make a big change for him. I I haven't actually been drafting him much because other people seem just as enthusiastic, if not more so, about him. But uh, among the Angels, he's the one who I I think, you know, I have some excitement for beyond... I don't even know how to word it. But he's the one I want to highlight here. Let's just say that.
2: (laughs) And I think it's relevant mentioning Dylan Bundy's name on a day where we talk about Chris Archer because, Chris, something you bring up a lot with Archer is... You shouldn't just not draft him because he's burned you before. And that's the same thing that I can see when it comes to Dylan Bundy. You know, I've talked up Dylan Bundy this year as a sleeper as well, and people will respond, oh, well, he's been so bad for so long. He's burned me. I can't go back to the well. Well, he has a change of scenery now. If there's ever a time to go back to the Dylan Bundy well, it is now. Uh, The the player that I find myself drafting most from the Angels, fitting the theme of just older guys, uh, Justin Upton. 194.4 194.4 adp uh, dealt with a ton of injuries last year a toe a quad a knee by all accounts it seemed like he was healthy during spring training there was e- even a uh, best shape of his life report <laughs> um, and uh, he's one of these guys that gets hot he's extremely streaky I like him better for Roto leagues but in a shortened season if Justin Upton could get hot you know hitting in the middle of that angels lineup I still think that there's something left i'm I'm trusting the uh, the bounce back on the health when it comes to Justin Upton.
1: Let's move I agree on to- with that. Not so much on Dylan Bundy,
2: Meh. who I think is just
1: not that good, but very smart people. I know Alex fast is like in love with Dylan Bundy this year. Alex fast, a pitcher list who I respect greatly. Uh, but yeah, I think Dylan Bundy's just bad.
2: Meh. Don't do that. Chris. <laughs> All right. The Oakland A's uh, Scott, Well, I wonder where Scott is going with the Oakland A's. It's Sean Murphy. No, of course not. Mark (laughs) Canna. No one took you seriously.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For those who haven't heard yet why I'm so enthusiastic about Mark Canna this year, I mean, just look at the numbers. Especially look at the numbers from the time he took over as an everyday player, lefties and righties, a lot of it in center field, actually. June 26th on last year, roughly half the season. In other words, he hit 290, 295 with 16 homers and a 936 OPS. He was basically, I don't know, Chris Bryant as much as he walked. I mean, you look at his on-base percentage alone, just where he is on the leaderboard. It's it's like Mike, Mike Trout, it's Alex Bregman, and, and then Mark Canna's right there. Um. Yeah, he's I, I he's he's old, so I think you know, people are just quick to write him off. He's he's thirty-one already and niche as a the lesser half of a platoon, the right-handed bat in a platoon before that, but he was even better against righties than lefties last year. He made a change to his approach where he stopped chasing pitches on the outer half of the plate. And just swung at things in his wheelhouse. Uh, and that helped lead to the increase in walks. It helped lead to the increase in overall production. And considering he's drafted outside the top 200, it's it's really a low-risk play for for, I think, potentially stud production.
2: Chris, Oakland was another tough team for me, similar to Houston. There are a lot of names that I like on this team. Where did you go?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've written up Sean Murphy a lot, but I haven't really drafted him much, so I don't want to go with him. Put your money where uh, your
2: mouth is, Chris. For me,
1: it is probably Frankie Montas, who we again another guy who we talked a lot about this year. I've drafted him less than I thought I would have at the beginning because I was huge on him last season at a time when it felt like there was uh a lot of skepticism and even at the start of uh you know, draft prep season six months ago now. Um, it didn't feel like there was all that much interest and then just kind of slowly started to build. And uh, there's been a lot of hype about Frankie Montas. I agree with it a lot, but there are times when there's someone who wants him more than I do, but he's, he's the guy I want to draft most out of this uh, A's roster. Great. Uh, Great splitter that he introduced last year that helped his slider and fastball play up. Uh, I think there's room for him to sustain, if not build on the breakout um, with, you know, potentially using that slider even more and that splitter even more to make him uh, even harder to predict because, you know, he went through the league, you know, for 90 innings, basically with that new splitter. He's got to have, he's going to have, the, the league's going to adjust. He's got to have to adjust to it. I just think he has the the skill set.
2: I'm 100% with you on Frankie Montas. He was the name that I had here. 111.2 ADP. It's tough because I draft a lot of Ramon Laureano and Chris Davis with a K. Uh, and, and then there's also Mark Hanna, who I do like. But uh, yeah, Frankie Montas, not worried about the PEDs. I don't think PEDs helped him throw a splitter last year. So I am in. He's ranked inside my top 25 starting pitchers. I'm quite bullish on him. The Seattle Mariners. Uh, I don't know if it's as hard uh, to find <laughs> a yeah. Mariner that we like uh, on this team, but uh, Chris, get us started with the Mariners. Ugh.
1: I, like they're not devoid of interesting prospects and recent prospects. You know, a guy like Shed Long has some uh, prospect potential. Uh, Kyle Lewis showed off some power last season, although way too much swing and miss in his game. Daniel Vogelbach uh, fell off hard, but showed his upside in the first half of the season. Evan White, another guy. Yeah, it's gotta be Malik Smith for me though. I, I guess I could make a case for Yusei Kikuchi, Justice Sheffield and Taiwan Walker as well, but those are all really, really deep, deep deep sleepers uh, who probably will go undrafted in most leagues.
2: Scott, interested in any of those arms that Chris mentioned? Uh, I know last week you said you are not in on Marco Gonzalez, so I'm going to assume it's mm. not him.
0: Well, this isn't an arm. For a while, I was, I was pretty high on Tom Murphy, the catcher, but then Scott Service, the Mariners manager, came out and said it'll be a 55-45 split behind the plate between Murphy and Austin Nola and not necessarily with Murphy getting the majority of those at-bats. So that cooled me off on Murphy pretty quickly. I guess right now the most enthusiastic I am, player I'm most enthusiastic for relative to everyone else is Justice Sheffield, because uh, I think he got downgraded a little too hard. when He was dominant at AA last year after struggling at AAA, the PCL, Juiced infused Ball, everything else. You know, he was terrible there. Every pitcher was. Dominant at AA without... Some of the walk problems he had before still has that awesome slider. And this, this spring phased out the four-seamer for a two-seamer, which in his case seems like a good move just for him having better command of it and it helping set up that dominant slider better than the four-seamer was. Uh, and he was getting good results with it. So Sheffield's the one I'm most excited about.
1: And that's just, you, know, you talked about the interest in him being low. Partially it's because he struggled with AAA. I think it's also just prospect fatigue. Yep, he's been a top 100 prospect, I think, like five years in a row or something. Uh, He's been around forever in prospect land, and so I think, you know, we saw something similar with Carson Kelly last year, where you know we had seen him in the majors a couple times. Uh, He had been a prospect for a long time. We'd heard his name, and I think when that happens, people can just kind of be like, okay, this guy's not any good.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sheffield's a name that I like, uh, along with him. Kikuchi is the who I went with. You say Kikuchi, basically free in drafts. His ADP's right around 400. I like you know just throwing him on the end of my bench towards the end there. He was dreadful last season. There's no doubt about it. ERA over five, a 1-5-2 WHIP. Um, he did come over with a lot of hype from Japan, and there were reports of his velocity being up this spring, two to three miles per hour on both his fastball and his slider. Uh, so I'm willing to take a shot on that. I think both him and Justice Sheffield are, are names that I am interested in late. Let's round out the AL West with the Texas Rangers. Scott. So I'm positive the guy I'm drafting most
0: often is Lance Lynn. And I've talked about how I feel like he's one of the pitchers who loses value in a short season. Uh, and and I think ADP we've seen you know, from the shutdown to today reflects that. But that just means I can get him a round or two later now, and <laughs> I'm still excited about doing that. And, you know, he was seventh in innings last year, seventh in strikeouts. Uh, really didn't take off till about mid-May, though. So for a quarter of the season, he was that same old bum we've known for the past few years. Uh, but then, you know, the final three quarters of the season, low three ZRA and obviously a ton of innings and strikeouts, and uh, made a change to his pitch selection that may explain it. Or it may not. It may be a total. It may have been a total mirage, and uh, I should just listen to the track record here. But I don't think he's being marked up to the extent of the breakthrough. If you do buy into the breakthrough and to get him as my number four, or sometimes even number five pitcher, knowing how awesome he was for me down the stretch in so many leagues last year, I mean, he was he was a true ace for that final three quarters of the season and uh, I'm happy to take a chance on him again since the markup doesn't seem to be, uh, to be
1: bad at all.
2: Chris, the Texas Rangers, this is finally your opportunity to talk about Todd Frazier.
1: Yeah, who doesn't love the Todd father <laughs> in 2020? Um, no, no, my player is Corey Kluber. Um, he might be finished. We might have just seen the last of him being good in 2018. And the first month six starts of 2019 were just who he is now, but I don't buy it. You know, I think we had a similar dis- we had similar discussions after the first month of 2017, uh, and then he came back and I believe won the Cy Young that year. I'm not saying Corey Kluber is going to win the Cy Young in 2020, but I'm not as convinced as a lot of people seem to be that he's just finished. Uh, Weird things happen in six months or six starts.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, That's a name that I actually wrote down because I want to talk more about this on another show coming up because I'm not on Corey Kluber, but I I see both sides, but I think it's worth having that conversation. The name for me is Willie Calhoun. 180.2 ADP. He's just my guy. I can't quit him. I've drafted him every year. Anytime there's speculation about him getting called up, you know, since basically 2018, I've drafted him. I'm still chasing that, you know, 2017 where he hit 31 homers with a 300 batting average in AAA. Um, And it looked like he was breaking out last year. 21 homers in 83 games. That's a 40 homer pace over the course of a full season. He makes a lot of contact. He puts the ball in the air. Scott, I know you've made the, the comp to Mike Mustakis. I think that that yep. is a fantastic comp. You know, If we can get a 260 to 270 batting average out of Willie Calhoun with 30-plus home runs, sure. I think it is ADP that that would be great, uh, obviously, over the course of a 162-game season, which won't be the case this year. But um, suffered the fractured jaw by all accounts, all reports that I've seen. Willie Calhoun is healthy and ready to go assuming we get a season. So uh, just can't quit. My guy, Willie Calhoun. Let's take a quick break right here. We've gone through all the AL West teams. When we come back, we'll talk about the NOS teams and the players that we're drafting most from those here on fantasy baseball today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. We've done your homework. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. Already we're back. We're going to talk about the players we are drafting most from the National League West now. And guys, the Los Angeles Dodgers, a lot like the Houston Astros. I mean, you can go in 10 different directions. We can do a whole show on Dodgers that we want to draft this season. But Scott, get us started with uh, the Dodger you are targeting most or, or winding up with most on your teams.
0: So you threw me for a loop with this one, because with the AL West, you went alphabetically by City.
2: Did I? I was wondering the same thing. I didn't even mean to do
0: that. (laughs) Now you're starting with Los Angeles, which is like in the middle, but that's fine. Uh, I can roll with it. Los Angeles, the player I'm drafting, I tend to target most often is Corey Seager. Yeah. Uh, Now I, I do, you know, there's a lot of players to like, so I don't need to get into Alternative picks potentially, but Corey Seeger, like he's my ultimate fallback option at shortstop. It's really hard to resist filling that spot sooner because there are so many good shortstops. And a guy like Marcus Simeon, I tend to fill that spot with. But even if I do that, you know, in a, in a roto league, there's a middle infield spot to fill with Seeger. I've even been willing to stick Seeger in my utility spot if I haven't already filled that with Alvarez or Cruz. I just think. Uh, I think he deserves a pass for most of last season coming back from Tommy John surgery. And, you know, it was like three years ago we were thinking of him in the same vein as like Francisco Lindor to the point he was actually getting drafted in the first round. He has a great profile for hitting for average. He has enough power to play up in today's environment. But considering he's 26, I'm not even sure we've seen the full extent of that yet. And you look at what he did toward the end of last season once he had a chance to shake off the rust and the elbow was back closer to feeling 100%. He had a hip injury that he was coming back from, too, that probably slowed him out of the gate. But he was he was a stud down the stretch for the Dodgers, and I expect him to be a stud again. Nobody is targeting him like they expect him to be, though. He goes, man, what's his ADP? It's 128.2. He it gets to go like around 10 or 11, 127 overall.
2: Yeah. Uh, Chris, Corey Seeger is the name for me as well. Can we make it a clean sweep across the board? I won't be mad at you if you say no.
1: Uh, He is definitely the player that I want the most on this team. I just think he's by far the best value. Everything that Scott said, basically from May 1st on last season, he was on like a 55 double, 25 home run, 120 RBI pace with like a 285 batting average. Uh, He was really good for most of last season, but you know... I don't want to agree. He is the guy, but I do. I want to mention another guy and uh, I will share a take with you guys. And I want to see your reactions. David Price is the most underrated pitcher in fantasy baseball
2: heading into 2020. He's one of them. And he is. It was hard for me to narrow it down between uh, David Price and Corey Seager because I find myself drafting a lot of David Price. I think similar to what we said about Kenta Maeda the other day, that the price has not corrected itself following the trades, I think the same thing could be said for David Price. So I definitely think that he is undervalued. Is he the most undervalued? Mm, Yeah, that might be a bit of a take.
0: I don't know that I agree he's undervalued.
2: Feast your ear
1: holes on this. (laughs) David Price went on the DL on August 8th. And when he was placed on the DL with wrist issues, uh, manager Alex Cora told reporters that he had been feeling something for the last three or four starts. So uh, those last three three or four starts, those last four starts, he gave up 11, 14, 20 earned runs in a small amount of games. I don't want to do the math again. Uh, through his first 17 starts, which is directly before that, He had a 316 ERA with 102 strikeouts in 88.1 innings. Now those 88.1 innings came in 17 starts. So the start, the innings per start was pretty low. However, you also have to keep in mind that he had two starts of one and one third inning or, or fewer. He went six innings in more than half of his starts overall before that point. Um, I think David Price is still pretty good, and I think the Dodgers are going to get the most out of him. I, I think David Price is uh, incredibly overlooked in, in 2020.
2: We're going to have to use Scott's retort as a tease for an upcoming podcast, because I do want to get to these other teams as well. Uh, but yes, we will talk about why uh, Scott does not share the same sentiment uh, as Chris on David Price. I, I do find myself drafting a decent amount of David Price. But Chris... We'll come back to you right quick. Arizona Diamondbacks. Who do you find yourself drafting there? I think I know the answer.
1: You think you know the answer?
2: I think I know the answer.
1: Well, maybe I'm not as predictable as you think.
2: Does it rhyme with schmapschmelin?
1: Maybe I'm as predictable as you think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is actually a team that has a lot of guys who... I'm interested in drafting. Uh, I really like Carson Kelly, who, as we talked about a lot. I think Christian Walker uh, is very interesting. Uh, Catal Marte and Starling Marte, obviously, if you want to go in the early rounds. Uh, and then, you know, Luke Weaver. But Zach Allen, four-pitch mix, four pitches he can throw anytime time uh, in any count. Throw him in the strike zone, throw them out of the strike zone. Uh, has a couple of breaking balls that look like they can uh, get swings and misses. Last season – he really had two starts where his control uh, faltered i think he had 11 11 walks in two different in two starts and otherwise his walk rate was very good uh, and that's the case that's been the case throughout his minor league career so you know we, we saw a an above average strikeout rate 28.7% that's actually very good i think the walk rate's going to come down and i think we're looking at a guy who you can Peg in the mid threes. Uh, and I think he has ace upside.
2: Yeah, I'm very bullish on Zach Gallen as well, ranked inside my top 30 starting pitchers. And I'll just throw this out there. I think it's very underrated. But at my previous job, we had Zach Gallen on the show. And he said, being reunited with Carson Kelly is something that will also help him. The two came up throughout the St. Louis Cardinals organization together before Zach Allen was traded to Miami and Carson Kelly was traded to Arizona. Now they're both on the Diamondbacks together. And I think working with a catcher who he's familiar with throughout his minor league career is something that might even help Zach Allen develop even more. So uh, just another reason why I, I am very bullish on him this season. Scott, the Diamondbacks. It's
0: a clean sweep. Zach Gallen would be my answer here too. And in fact, early, earlier during the shutdown period, I did an audience survey on social media where I had eight questions. Who's the one player you have to have this year? The number one answer was Zach Gallen. So the whole world feels the same yep. way about Zach Gallen. He, ha- he got 19 of the votes. The next closest was 14. Um, just to highlight somebody else, I'm also enthusiastic about drafting Cattell Marte in the like round four range, he's what I tend to go with if I don't take a starting pitcher. Usually I'm so focused on starting pitcher I can't. But I, he, he seems to me the standout at second base these days. And then when you add outfield eligibility, the versatility there. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I think he performed like a second rounder last year. So to get him in round four, if you trust the breakthrough as I do, is something you want to do.
2: Guys, let's move on to the Colorado Rockies. And no, you cannot say all of them. Scott, let's get us started here with uh, Colorado. Uh, Let's make these thoughts a little more brief so we get some emails. Ah, Well, you didn't make the timer,
1: so don't put that evil Um, on us.
2: I was using the timer for all of them. I just, I hate butting in to get you guys to stop talking while you're making good points because you guys make great points. I'm trying to talk fast
0: here. (laughs) I think Sam Hilliard's probably who I draft most often. The rest, it kind of just comes down to... uh, where I'm picking as to whether or not I pick them. But yeah, Sam Hilliard had 42 homers and 24 steals last year between the majors and minors. The time he spent in the majors was brief. It was September, but he hit seven home runs during that stretch. And the fact that it looks like there's going to be a universal DH now, I'm not nearly as concerned about his playing time anymore. He costs next to nothing. He's going outside the top 300 players, and particularly in like a five outfielder league, a roto league to get a potential power speed threat. You know, in an environment where you know the power is going to play up, uh, I think that's an exciting pick. Not sure he's going to play much against righties, but in a 5 outfielder Roto League, I'm not sure it matters either.
2: Yeah, his ADP 325.4, that's who I went with as well. I like both him and Garrett Hampson. Chris, the Colorado Rockies.
1: You know, you said you can't go with all of them, and that's not an issue for me. Uh, there are guys who I like because they're cheap, But I think this is kind of a bad team. I think it's like an underrated bad team. I think they're not going to win many games at all. Uh, And I look up and down their starting lineup, and it's like, well, Story, Blackman, Arenado, yeah, I want them. After that, there's nobody penciled into their starting lineup if I'm particularly interested in drafting at all. So I guess I'll default to Garrett Hampson.
2: Fair enough. San Diego Padres. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about Manny Machado a ton. I am the Machado man. Uh, But I assume neither of you are going to have Manny Machado as the Padre you want to draft. Scott?
0: No. No. I thought you were going to go with Chris first. Um, I'm going to go with... uh, I I think it might be Mackenzie Gore now. I think it might be. I was going to say... Denelson Lamette, he's a super trendy breakout pick. He's on my breakout list. ton of strikeout potential with that slider. But I never end up drafting him because somebody else is more excited about him than I am. But Mackenzie Gore, you know, there's been some talk with the shortened season. He's going to be in the opening in, in the rotation from the start of the year. Even if he's not, I don't think it'll be long. And like once he's in the rotation, I'm going to be as excited about him as I am about Jesus lazardo He's Widely considered an even better prospect than Lozardo, which is hard to believe because its I don't find many faults in Lozardo. But Gore is very exciting potential. Uh, He has the deception. He has all the deception of an Alex Wood with the stuff of a Walker Bueller. And uh, yeah, you get him with your last pick, potentially. At least that's the way it's looking right now.
2: Mackenzie Gore currently going 200 picks. On average, behind Jesus Lazardo, so definitely could be a great value there. Chris, who's currently playing with David Bowie, who do you like on the Padres? That sounds weird. <laughs> That's a cat, David Bowie. Pause. Yes, David pause. Bowie
0: is my cat.
1: She got oh.
2: no, no, no. I, that was just me saying pause because it was it sounded weird when I said you were playing. Oh, with David okay. Bowie.
1: Yeah, David Bowie got spayed <laughs> yesterday, so she's she's having a hard time. So I just wanted to give her some love.
2: That um, Sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I honestly, this, uh, I don't know, maybe there's like a body snatchers thing going on and someone's taken over my brain and I'm not aware of it, but I think it's Eric Cosmer. Uh, He's going, he's real cheap. I've drafted him uh, quite a bit in uh, corner infield spots, bench spots. And the thing about Eric Cosmer is, The perception of him as an elite talent is one hundred percent correct. He hits the ball really hard. Uh, He makes a good amount of contact. He's got a good eye at the plate. He just hits the ball into the ground way too often, Um, and he's acknowledged that. I think for the first time, he's really acknowledged that you know there was an athletic piece in in the beginning of spring training where he talked about you know kind of facing a like fork in the road about whether he was going to be worth his. Uh, contract with Padres, and and you know he talked about it. Like, I think the direct quote was, "Yeah, I hit the ball really hard. I just hit it into the ground too much, and I have to fix that." Um, if he does, I think you're you're looking at, you know, a guy who could hit 290 with 25 to 30 homers.
2: He's he he really does have that potential. The San Francisco Giants, much like the Seattle Mariners, kind of a team that we could just skip over here unless you guys are uh, excited about. I have Mauricio Dubon, but that's more about in deeper leagues. Uh, Chris, we'll go back your way once again. San Francisco Giants, anybody who tickles the fancy.
1: Oh, no, no, not really. Um, But I will say, like, it's interesting to see Kevin Gosman land in San Francisco. I don't think that's a name we've said even once on this podcast. Hold on. How can you be against Dylan
2: Bundy and you're talking about Kevin Gosman?
1: Well, because Dylan Bundy's not pitching in San Francisco, they both stink. That's fair. But <laughs> Dylan Bundy's not pitching in San Francisco. San Francisco, uh, I think, can make a Kevin Gosman look decent. But I guess my real answer has to be Buster Posey. He's, uh, you know, I, I rewrote my catcher preview yesterday, and in it, in each position preview, I have a sleeper breakout and bust for each position, and I didn't change Buster Posey as one of my as my sleeper for uh the catcher position i think there's a chance that the last two seasons in particular were the result of uh, a pretty serious hip issue that he had surgery on last offseason i believe it might have been a microfracture surgery Uh, but it was a serious surgery and you know he he might just go back to being a, a catcher who hits 290 with 10 home runs and hey man that's that's a starting catcher that's probably a top
2: 12 catcher Scott. Do you share the same sentiment for Buster Posey and or Kevin Gausman? Not really either. Not
0: really either, but I I am excited about a couple Giants, but one in particular is Mike Yastrzemski, who I'd love to draft as my fifth outfielder in in every Roto League, but it seems so often that I'm drafting Sam Hilliard instead. But like 15-team leagues, Yastrzemski is a must for me, and I, I don't understand why nobody else seems to have any... To like him at all his second half numbers 287 with 16 homers and 915 OPS his numbers on the road 300 with a 929 OPS his numbers against lefties even though he's a left-handed hitter 329 with a 943 OPS and he sat a lot against lefties last year. I think there's no way that happens this year. I think he's he's uh, clearly their best hitter and they're going to play him every day. I wish he didn't have to play in San Francisco so often. His number's there, as you'd expect, not so great two thirty eight with a seven fifty nine ops but you now he's he's so many of the other splits are so good, and he has a good batting eye. He has the right batted ball profile to hit for power uh i think I think he's a sleeper to hit like two seventy with well like a thirty homer pace. Obviously he's not going to hit thirty homers in a shortened season, but that kind of pace. And uh, you know, for for a next to nothing cost, I'll take that all the time.
1: The thing I struggle with is he played two hundred five hundred and sixty 560 games between triple A and A and had like a 760 OPS. He may just be a late bloomer, uh, but man, that that that's tough for me to to get over, uh, you know, based on a hundred and seven game sample size.
2: Mm, Chris throwing some cold water on the Mike Yastrzemski love, but there are the players that we have been drafting in both the AL and NL West. Uh, before we get to your questions, at CBSI.com. Just want to remind everyone to continue submitting those five-star Apple Podcast reviews. Much appreciated. Make sure you uh, subscribe as well to Fantasy Baseball Today and join our Facebook page, our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook page, go over there, join the group. Uh, Lots of interesting discussion points as well from some of our most loyal listeners. So we appreciate that. Fantasy Baseball at CBSi.com. Your questions. This one comes from Nick, Dear, Ken, Vladimir, Fernando, and Jerry.
1: I have no idea. (laughs) Because like Ken Griffey Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero, okay, that, that seems like a good start.
2: I think these are second generations. Fernando Tatis Jr., Jerry uh, Hairston Jr. Wait, who's Ken? Oh, Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. Ken Griffey <laughs> Jr., yeah. And then
0: Jerry Hairston Jr.? Is that I, who yeah. we're doing with he, Jerry?
1: He doesn't
2: really fit the, like, the mix here, but that's just what I came up with.
1: Okay. All right, yeah. I, I Yeah, that's as good as I could come up with.
2: With all the talk of potentially weird end-of-season stat lines in a shortened season, how much does this boost the chances of a team... That would have been a fringe contender to instead end up a potential World Series champ. Certain things would have to go right, but I could see the Padres going far if Fernando Tatis doesn't regress as much as expected and if Tommy Fam contributes as much or more than expected, for example. What do you guys think about, you know, I guess, a, a fringe team making a run?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes even more likely the shorter you make the season, so... In the unlikely scenario, it's only 50 games. I mean, we talked about how the World Series champions were only 19 and 31 at that point, and they had kind of a historic recovery. But I, I think it's realistic to think any team except for maybe like five. The you know the the obvious bottom feeders like the the Tigers, Royals, Orioles, Marlins, sorry, and Chris, Pirates, and Mariners. So I'll say six. Am I, am I forgetting somebody from the West who's uh, oh, the, the Giants. Giants? Yeah, the yeah. Giants. So seven, all but seven teams, I think, could realistically make that kind of run in a fifty-game season. Eighty games, I, I, you know, I, I might have a few more added to that list. But yeah, it's I, I could definitely see that happening.
1: I mean, you, you you've got a situation where you mentioned twenty-seven or twenty-three teams you could see uh, realistically having a chance to make a run. Sixty-one percent of those twenty-three teams are going to make the playoffs because we're yeah. going with a, a seven-team playoff in each division too. Yep. So yeah, yeah, like I could see a team like the Blue Jays absolutely getting hot, and even if they don't get hot, some teams probably going to make the playoffs at like twenty-six and twenty-four this year with seven spots.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what came to mind, and it, it just a lot of the MLB postseason is just who's hot at the right time. I always go back to the. The Colorado Rockies, when they made the World Series against the Red Sox, like that Rockies team to me should not have been in the World Series, but they just got hot at the right time and they just they made they made their way through. So I, a lot of the MLB postseason is just whoever gets hot at the right time. So I Even think that an
1: 82 win Cardinals team win the World Series. Am I remembering that wrong?
2: I'm I don't, not entirely I, sure off the top. of I know of my there was head. a team in the 80s that.
0: That didn't win many games, but I can't remember. It they like upset that maybe it was the Reds, the nine the nineteen ninety Reds. What was their
1: record? Or or no wait. the oh 19- six the 06 Cardinals won eighty three games and won the World Series. Wow, yeah.
0: I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the Kirk Gibson Dodgers. Uh, what year was that? Nineteen eighty eight.
1: Yeah, but they won like ninety games. Eighty eight. Yeah, but they won like ninety games. Ninety one, okay. I think.
2: Okay. This next one's from Joe McGinley. Hey, Chris, Jalen, Juwan, Ray, and Jimmy. That one's easy. Fab five. five. Now, we're going to try to figure this one out together because he says, obviously, this is a fab question, but then doesn't really ask a fab question, so we'll try and figure this one out together. Wondering what to do with Nelson Cruz and Shohei Otani, hitter only in a daily lineup changes, head-to-head categories league, with only one utility spot. I think they are both undervalued, do I wait until both start mashing when the season starts? Uh, will Otani stop swiping bags now that he's pitching? I don't know how Fab works into this, but I guess basically what would you do if you owned both Otani and Nelson Cruz with only one utility spot?
0: Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming I'd... Okay, so this must be Yahoo because he's saying Shohei Otani hitter only. Yeah. So we're leaving out... Okay. Um, I, I think I'd just wait for now, probably trade Cruz, but you know, is, is Otani, if he's going to be sitting that often, is he going to be some, how how often are you going to end up starting? It's a daily league. Okay. Sorry. I'm catching up here. Okay. So daily league helps Otani's case. Yeah. I'd I'd probably shop Cruz, but I, I don't know that now's the time to shop him because yeah, we all agree. Probably he's one of the more undervalued players in the draft. So, you know, wait, wait until, wait until somebody emerges with a hot, obvious hitter need, and, and try shopping him then. I think I, is how I, I'd approach it.
1: I think you trade Otani. If you've only got Otani, the hitter, he's only going to hit like four, maybe five days a week. You might only get forty games out of Shohei Otani as a hitter this year.
0: I, I, just I just wonder, what do you what are you going to get back in a trade for Otani? Does he even have much trade value, the hitter? He
1: still know. has the name value, uh, I think. Yeah, he has name value. And also, I think there might be people who don't realize how rarely he's going to play. They might look just at how much he played last year and say, all right, Shohei Otani's close to an everyday player. But I just, I don't think he's going to have, a, a hitter only Shohei Otani, I don't think he's going to have a lot of value.
2: Yeah, I tend to lean towards if Otani gets off to a, a good start as a hitter, I would probably try to ship him out. I want to keep Nelson Cruz on my team. I hear what you're saying, Scott, but I mean, for all the reasons we call him undervalued, that's exactly why I want to keep him. I, I just think he can be massive in that in the middle of that Twins lineup. That was already one of the there. best lineups, and they added Josh Donaldson. So, uh, I mean, it would be really hard for me to trade away Cruz unless you get blown away. I mean, maybe you know someone else really wants him in your league, but. I'd probably wait for the season to start. If Shohei Otani does anything, I'd probably try and ship him out. This last one is from Luke. Can you grade this trade in a deep 12-team points league? I give Rafael Devers and Ryan McMahon. I get Aaron Judge, Tyler Glasnow, and Laris Arise. Hmm.
1: What do you guys think? I think it's fine. Um, I think... A, I mean, if Aaron Judge is healthy on opening day, I think you win this trade going away yeah. because yeah. you get, you know, Aaron Judge might be better than Rafael Devers, you know? Whoa, I, whoa, might whoa. Give, I might give a healthy uh, Judge maybe a 40% chance to be better than than Devers. Um, but, you know, Glass now, he only needs to hold up for 50 to 80 games now. So, you know, he's potentially an ace. And Luis Arias, I think he's a perfectly viable low-end starter, um, especially in a categories league if you need batting average help.
2: Yeah, this you is realize- tougher for me, Scott, because I love Rafael Devers and I'm not on Aaron Judge at all. But I think in a shortened season, Tyler Glass now could perform like a top-ten pitcher.
0: What, what Cardinals team did you say won only 80-something games, Chris? <laughs> I
1: think it was... 83, the 2006. 2006. I will yeah. never forget that team because they won a World Series with 83 wins and David Eckstein was the World Series MVP. It might be the absolute strangest World Series win <laughs> of all time. And I believe that was also the Carlos Beltran struck out looking Andy Chavez year.
0: Poor Tigers, man. They should have had that. <laughs> they had such a good run there in the middle of the 2000s. Did you know one of those Yankees teams that won uh, the four straight World Series? Or, I'm sorry, four World Series in five years? One of them only was, won 87 games. 2000, the the Subway Series, them and the Mets, they were 87 and 74.
2: I did not know that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's weird, huh?
2: it's pretty weird uh, Scott do you have a grade for this trade by any chance
0: oh um, I thought Chris no, really covered it I will give it a a oh, an a minus it, yeah. I'll give it a B plus but it has the potential to be an A if judge is healthy
1: B plus yes I never I never give grades on grade the trade <laughs> I'm a bad person
2: I'll uh, I'll give it a B It's a little bit tougher for me, man. I hate giving up Rafael Devers, but I can see it if Judge is healthy. All right, that'll do it for today. Appreciate you all for listening. For Scott and Chris, we will be back again on Thursday. Bye-bye.